Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. So if I gave you two options and said, if this wants to work, by the way, option one is we're going to do something together. And if you take part, you may lose nothing, but you may win or gain 50,000 pounds. And option two is you don't take part. So you don't win anything and you don't lose anything. Who would go for option number two? Raise your hands. So Bernard, it's Bernard, isn't it? Yes. So Bernard wants to go for option number two. And did you have your hand up? Somebody over here? So why option two, Bernard? I don't want to win 50,000. That's option one. That ain't option number two, Bernard. Okay. Do you want to change your mind? Or do you want to phone a friend first? It's a bit crazy, isn't it? Sorry? It's a bit crazy from that distance, though, isn't it? It's a bit like, to be fair to him. I mean, it's not that clear from a long way. All the young people with good eyesight are sitting at the front. Bernard, you have have one friend in the room, which is Oliver. Okay, or at least one friend that we know of. So at least we've established something. So of course, you'd be mad not to, you'd, you would go for option number one, because you've got nothing to lose. And to some extent, that's what tax is like, because it doesn't cost you anything extra, does it? And, and if you've got other businesses, which I'm, uh, I assume some of you have, by the way, if you want to make an extra 5,000 pounds, depending on your profit margin, you may have to turn over an extra 50,000 pounds if your net margin was 10%. To turn over 50,000 pounds, you may need to have larger premises, take a bank overdraft, get more working capital, employ more people, more money in sales and marketing, which means it would cost you even more. To have a five, uh, 5,000 pound tax saving, you don't do anything extra. So it, it, it's a 100% be, uh, gain, benefit, cash flow advantage into your pocket. But before we look at any tax planning, there's three questions you have to ask yourself, which our friend over there helped us with, with the first question. Is it legal? Because at no point do I think you should ever think about doing something illegal. It, it isn't worth it. The amount of cases that I've seen in the last 20 years where people have failed to pay their tax and then get caught out and then have to pay all the tax back and the interest and the penalties and their own HMRC's uh, radar, it isn't worth it. So never ever even think or contemplate doing anything illegal because I can assure you from experience at some point HMRC will find you and when they do they're going to come down like a ton of bricks. Okay, it might sound obvious but I've seen way too many uh, cases uh, where people have unfortunately gone for the shortcut route. Number two, is it effective? What do you think I mean by is it effective in terms of tax planning? Anybody want to hazard a guess? Does it actually save, save you money? Does it actually save you money? Does it give you a benefit? Does it give you a benefit? Does it work? Yeah, does it work? Does it work? Yeah, so quite simply then, you, you're on the right lines here, is if, you, and the, the reason why I bring this up is, I've come across people where they've paid an accountant or a tax advisor, let's say 10,000 pounds for a piece of tax planning, and the saving to them, the net saving is 5,000 pounds. Why would you do that? It happens. If the saving is 5,000 pounds per year over the next 10 years and you're paying 10,000 pounds, 
that's not a bad deal because you paid 10 grand and you got 50 grand uh, saving over 10 years net saving 40,000 pounds is fine but you've got to work out is it effective Darren? But you don't know if it's effective until you've had someone look into it and then you pay the money for the support and then you realize you didn't benefit yeah that sometimes happens right? it happens that's right so so you've got to do that work up front to make sure it's effective and it, it's going to work for you after you've gone to the first question which is it legal and the third question where i need your input is it acceptable so for this question acceptable to whom would you say to you to you and to hmrc hmrc why hmrc Okay, so, so we're, we're going to drill down into this, and I've kind of already kind of covered this. Who writes the tax rules in this country? The government. The government. Yeah. The government. Of the day. Of the day. That's right. What's the job of HMRC? To implement those rules. To implement those rules. So, when HMRC, Robert, implement those rules, what do they do to the tax law? Interpret it. Interpret it. And is their interpretation always going to be accurate and correct? And what... So their job is to enforce the rules, and by enforcing their, the rules, what are they looking to do? Increase revenue. Increase revenue. So their job is to interpret the rules and get more money out of you. Your job, or your, the job of your advisors, is to interpret the rules to help you pay less tax. So I would argue it doesn't have to be acceptable to HMRC, but it has to be acceptable in the, in the sense that, that the rules have been interpreted correctly. But you won't be surprised to hear, by the way, every time I ask, I ask this question, uh, a number of people in the room, by the way, say, is it acceptable to HMRC? If we did everything that was acceptable to them, we'd always be paying a lot more tax. <laughs> okay, so you've got to be, be comfortable. And the simple answer to this particular question is, can you sleep at night? knowing you've done something. If the answer, generally speaking, is yes, I can sleep at night quite comfortably having done something, I'd say that's the first test to say, okay, maybe you should do it. It's not that simple and straightforward, by the way, but, but if, you, if you're comfortable with it, do it. If you're not, don't do it. So somebody mentioned SDLT, I think it was, it was Oliver. I'm going to share uh, an example with you of something which uh, I did. This is from three years back now, and there are other examples. So I, I was approached by somebody who in fact was on this tax course probably let's say three and a half years ago and she was buying a property, replacing her main home so, so, and the intention was I think to sell that house and then buy a new house. Uh, are the slides okay by the way? Can, are you okay? okay? Can you see them? Yeah, good. Uh, and she and her husband were buying the property for £650,000 and the SDLT worked out to be £42,000. Uh, and the 3% would be refunded if they sold their first initial home because it was a replacement. Does that make sense? So you can do that within three years. If you don't replace it, then you pay the additional 3% on the second or additional property. Everybody with me so far? Yeah, okay, Oliver? Uh, and so £42,000 was a liability. If she gets the 3% back, uh, she's got to pay £22,500. Here's all the figures. We don't need to go through them in, in detail because I, I, I want to show you what we did. Uh, she shared with me 
that when she was buying that property at the back of the house or on the side, I don't remember exactly, but somewhere on that property they had a granny annex and that had a separate entrance, it had a separate bedroom and it had a kitchen and a bathroom, which means it is a separate dwelling for SDLT purposes. If that happens, you can claim multiple dwellings relief. Yeah? What that simply means is you divide the price by the number of properties you're buying and then you work out the SDLT on each property and then you times it or multiply it by how many properties you've got. And generally speaking, depending on the value of the properties, you may come to a place where you pay less stamp duty land tax. In this particular case, again, I'm not going to go too much into the detail, but this was her starting point. Uh, if she gets the 3% back, you'll see she only pays 22 and a half grand. If she doesn't, she pays 42,000 pounds. With MDR, how it worked out, and here's all, all the numbers, by the way, she was going to pay 6,250 pounds per property. You times that by two properties, because she's got the main home and the granny annex, and she ended up paying 12,500 pounds. So if she doesn't sell her first home, she'd have paid 42,000 pounds. If she does sell her first home, she'd have paid 22,500 pounds. She ended up paying 12,500 pounds. So either way, minimum 10,000 pounds saving. So if you're ever buying a property with a granny annex, there's a possibility, there are some rules, but there's a possibility you may be able to reduce your SDLT. If you're buying a property from somebody who uh, is selling two or more properties to you, there's the possibility you could save SDLT. And how it works generally speaking is, let's say I'm buying a property, two properties from Darren. One is for 600,000 pounds, and the other one is for 200,000 pounds. Okay, so there's a price difference. It's likely there's an SDLT saving. If I'm buying two properties from Darren, both for 300,000 pounds each, there's not gonna be a saving, because it's the same price. Does that make sense to everybody so far? Does that work if, so I've got a property of mine that's got a basement flat. Yep. And then it's got um, house above it. Yep. So it's, it's still as one title, it's not. Yep. So could you, could you do exactly the same thing? Is that, is that basement flat or that the equivalent of a granny annex? Does the basement flat have a separate entrance? Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, it's rented out totally separately, so. Yep, you can. Have you bought that or are you looking to buy it? Buy it, to sell it on. Yeah, so yep, you can. Oliver. Um, thanks. I'm always wanting to be smart with the tax, but cautious not to be divisive. At what point would it be classed as a granny annex? And, you know, would they look at when it was advertised over a period with the exchange at the point of completion from HMRC's point of view without... It doesn't have to be a granny annex per se. No, no, I'm just using that example, sorry. Yeah, uh, so it doesn't matter. When you're looking to complete the transaction, as long as there's two or more properties yeah. with, as I've said, separate entrance, bathroom, bedroom, all that type of stuff, uh, you'll be okay. You can, you can then, the, the challenge you're gonna have, is with the challenge everybody has, with the challenge uh, Vicky had, so this is the actual person who's on the tax course, and we did this for her. <coughs> Do we have any lawyers in the house by any chance? No? Any accountants? Okay, that's good, because then I can say whatever I like and nobody's going to challenge it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And any HMRC tax inspectors? So, the challenge you're going to have is when you go to your solicitor, they aren't going to be comfortable with this, just so you know. Uh, and we had this, I think, on 
Monday night in Ipswich, I think, wasn't it? Somebody was talking about it. Yeah. Um, where he he was, I think it was Peter who was saying his solicitor doesn't quite understand the transaction, and he's saying he, he can't do something. Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, solicitors aren't allowed to give you tax advice, and if you look at their terms and conditions, it says very clearly there we cannot give you tax advice. The bigger law firms have tax advisors who work for them. The smaller ones don't. But unfortunately, what you'll find is they all insist they want to file the SDLT tax return or the return. I find that very odd, but there's no way you're going to get them to move from that. I've tried so many times and they will never not move from it. What you can do, however, is ask and tell them if you don't offer tax advice, we're going to go to a tax advisor, i.e. somebody like me, and they will give me advice in writing and then you follow it. And they are happy to do that. Why do you think they're happy to do that? Indemnity. Indemnity, yeah. Because then they push the liability for the STLT from themselves over there. Because the number one thing most solicitors are scared of is being sued. Because it pushes up their PI from, let's say, £50,000 to £200,000. And that means some of them, the smaller firms, will probably go bust. Uh, so don't always... And the, odd, the really odd thing is, most of us go to our solicitor and get them to work out our stamp duty land tax liability, don't we? Mm. And I'm trying to be careful here because I don't want to say they don't, they don't know what they're talking about, but they don't specialize in SDLT. So what I think they should do is say, can you speak to somebody else who knows what they're talking about to work out the figures for you and then bring them to us? Unfortunately, they don't do that. They just go on to the HMRC tax calculator, which we can all do, punch in the, the numbers and say, uh, Robert, this is how much you're paying. Now, in fairness to them, 90% of the time they're right, because it's a simple transaction. But 10% of the time they're not right, because they don't know all the different quirks. And, and, and SDLT, it has a lot of quirks to it, which most people don't know about, because most people don't deal with. So a lot of accountants and tax advisors are comfortable talking about income tax, capital gains tax, inheritance tax, uh, entrepreneur's relief, or all the other taxes, but most of them aren't comfortable with SDLT because most don't come across it that often. It's only those who specialize in working with property investors who come across it. So with SDLT, Oliver, because you mentioned it, okay, there's, a, there's quite a few different opportunities. I'll, I'll probably share one more example with you in the slides later on. Uh, and then we'll probably talk about any questions you've got. But whenever you're buying a property, make sure you, sp unless it's a plain vanilla, just uh, a single let, if you're buying anything else, if it's commercial, mixed use, got stables on there, granny annex or something else, make sure you speak to somebody who's an SDLT expert, because I'm fairly confident they'll find some saving for you. Okay, so just put that in the back of your head. Did you just say stable? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely, because that, mm -hmm has different connotations, any commercial element has different connotations. Uh, we, we do a whole three-hour session here on SDLT, by the way. You'd probably get bored, by the way, but uh, that SDLT has a lot of, lot of opportunities which most people don't know about. So the next slide here is wholly and exclusively, which I'm not going to spend too much time on, simply because you wanted to know more about this stuff here. But wholly and exclusively simply means because a common question I get asked all the time is, what can I claim? 
Because I think most people are concerned is, am I missing out on something? Okay? And the general rule for you to, to take away today is, you can claim anything in your business, so long as it's wholly and exclusively for the purpose of the business. There are some restrictions and limitations, but generally speaking, as long as it's wholly and exclusively for the purpose of your business, there's no limit on what expenditure you can or you can't claim. Yeah, that's the test you have to meet, Dana. According to whose interpretation? According to the interpretation of your accountant or your tax advisor. Yeah? And even then, they might be wrong. Because if you've ever asked your accountant a question, and if they've responded by email, and send you a link to HMRC's website, Dana, going forward, if they do that, what are you going to do to them? Change them. Change them. Sorry? Change them. You're nice and polite, aren't you? You're easy going, but yeah. So, so you're going to say, don't tell me that. Look at the tax rules and tell me what you think. Because if they point you towards HMRC's website, then they're doing exactly what we established earlier with Robert. They're telling you what HMRC want you to do. And I'm not saying, by the way, HMRC are wrong. Because again, let's just say 90% of the time, they're right. But that 10%, they might not be right. Yeah? So don't go refer to HMRC's website as the Bible. I mean, cross-reference it, but don't always go with just HMRC's guidance because their interpretation may not be the correct interpretation. No, Anne, was it Anne? Sorry? Anel. Anel, sorry, forgive me, Anel. Don't worry, it's a very difficult name to remember, so I always say it's Angel without the G. There you go. Ima imagine my name and why I call myself Shaz, but anyhow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I always say. Um, you've answered the question really. We, we've had a situation where we've booked a strategy session at a, a spa day, and in the end, our uh, accountant took it out as a director's loan, which I thought was bit off. But you've answered the question, it is just how they interpret it. And, and knowing what, what I know now, I'd probably challenge it. Okay. I mean, it will, yeah, anyway. So, okay, we're going to skip these slides because I'm going to do that for you. Uh, there's something else though which I will share with you uh, which we're not going to go into too much detail which links in with what you've said there are certain expenses Anel, was it Anel? Sorry? Anel. Anel. there are certain expenses which have a dual purpose right. okay and just because something has a dual purpose it doesn't mean you can't claim it so I'm going to give you a, mm. a simple example you work for Barclays Bank Barclays Bank pay for your uniform therefore you're wearing clothes now the general understanding is everybody has to wear clothes to remain decent. So you're wearing clothes to remain decent, they pay for your clothes, it has, a, it has Barclays logo on it, Barclays claim that as an expense, which they can do by the way, uh, but you've got two purposes. Can you claim that or not? You can claim it. So if you've booked into a spa for a strategy day and you just happen to use that for, because it's got a spa there, uh, as long as you can demonstrate it was for business purposes and you just enjoyed the spa while you were there it doesn't matter the same thing applies to a wider context let's say you've gone to a conference to uh, America somewhere you come into here but let's make it a bit more exciting my friend okay so you've, you've gone to a conference in Las Vegas okay and the flight cost you two thousand pounds okay and you're there you you're there on the conference for a week okay and then you you end up staying there for an extra week which you just want to enjoy your time out there you can claim the entire flight there and back okay 
you'd claim one week's stay for the conference. The additional week, I would say to you, don't claim, because that's when you, you, you were spending time there traveling Las Vegas. So it's got a dual purpose. We can claim most of it uh, apart from the, the second week. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so and, but most accountants, unfortunately, are nervous with that kind of stuff and say, oh, you can't claim it. Because it's easy. To say you can't claim it is the, is the easy answer, isn't it? Yeah. So I would say to you always, challenge them, say, why not? Yeah. Why, why can't I? And then see what they come back to you with. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.